You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. Hello, welcome to Superhero Education Podcast. We're here with Eugene Pitchford III and Steve Gerner. And today on our podcast, we're going to talk about teacher recruitment. How do we find the next group of teachers for our city schools? Who will they be? How do we train them? How do we get them ready? That's what we'll be talking about today. This is such an important topic. Uh, Some of you may not know this, but we're both former principals. And honestly, one of, one of the things I loved the most on my job was interviewing teachers, trying to find quality teachers, and really after hiring them, insulating them to make sure they were very successful. So as a, as a former principal, uh, this is near and dear to both of our hearts. And when you look at it, the recruitment of teachers and hiring teachers is one measure of how our schools will be successful in the future. So it's super important. Um, and the obviously the opposite of this would be not having no one to hire or hiring the wrong person, which can set you back years and destroy your school community. So it's a super important uh, topic, and we are ready to dive into it and hope you enjoy. Do you agree we have a crisis? I, I think we're in a crisis mode right now of getting, getting teachers. Yeah. Nationally. Yeah, I do believe we are in a crisis because we're all competing for the same few individuals. Uh, when you look at things statistically in the United States of America, uh, there aren't many male teachers. There aren't many teachers of color. Um, I know black men make up 2%, and we're all fighting for those 2%. So you basically have a, a, a profession that's pretty much dominated by females. No knock against females because they all do a great job, but um, we all want a great setting and scenarios for our schools. Yeah, there's nothing wrong, but when you're talking over 65% are white females middle class that are teaching in our schools, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that if you're good. You know, it's always if you're excellent, if you're high performing, that's great. Uh, But we need to uh, also have a diverse uh, teaching population to meet all students because not all students uh, are are white females middle class that are in the classrooms as we know. Right, so I think there's something to establishing the bullpen of qualified candidates because Steve, you could be this one guy and we're all competing for you. But there are other Steves out there that maybe we don't know about or maybe we're not uh, promoting our schools correctly and so if I have, if, if you're on my roster and you go to someone else's roster, uh, you're still that, same, still that same person. So we're looking to have a bullpen versus just one all-star. Yeah, we definitely need more. There is a crisis. I am looking at something that came out of Chicago, was just in the news here, uh, spring of 2019. Suburban Chicago Teacher Prep Program, a model efforts at creating a teaching pipeline. So what they're doing is they're connecting with, in Chicago, connecting with the local foundation, with the school district, with universities, and really looking at uh, getting to the high schools and having students work 
having the high school students commit to teaching and then figuring out how can the foundation alleviate some student debt? How can the universities help with some training? And really looking at, I, I think for the first time we're seeing this collective push at universities, foundations, school districts, all working together and saying there's a crisis and let's uh, solve this. So going to the high schools, I would even argue that we need to get to middle school. It seems radical, but I think we need to start recruiting at the middle school level and start talking about uh, teaching at that level. So it's interesting you say that, and I know we're going to break this down a little later in the show, but um, one of my to-do lists over the summer is to work on a teacher recruitment pipeline. And as you said, starting in middle and high schools. Um, so we're not just talking about this to the listeners out there. We're actually pulling it off. And, and one of the measures that, and I'm going to get you in on this project too, Dr. Garner, is going to the schools, helping to identify, as you said, students that have indicated that they want to be teachers. But here's the other half of what you just said. In middle school and even in high school sometimes, you may have the skills and the mental psyche could, to be a great teacher, but it's not even on your radar. So it's also, I don't want to say pushing someone into the oh, field. Oh, absolutely, but, sure. But it's also saying, hey, you know what? You do have the skills to be a teacher. Hey, why don't you try this out? Let's practice with this lesson plan. Let's let's go over grading some papers, classroom management, uh, working with parents. And, and so what you're saying is key, starting young. Um, often we wait till someone declares they're a senior in high school and they already signed up to university. So what you said is brilliant. We want to actually go into the schools and um, we'll, be, we'll be working on that. That's, I like how, that. that's how it happened with me. I had, I had three teachers high school graduation as I was being congratulated in uh, receiving line and, they, and one by one at different three different occasions they said you should become a teacher and that's how I decided to become a teacher. You definitely need a push uh, in that direction, you need people to tell you what you're good at and and help you do that. Otherwise, we won't uh, be able to fill up our classrooms with high-performing teachers. So teachers of color, huge shortage, uh, especially as we start talking about our, uh, our urban areas, our, our, our bigger urban school districts across the country. How do we get more teachers of color? Well... I always start at a place, and people scratch their heads when I say this, and they look at me like I'm crazy. And so hopefully if you're listening, you won't think I'm crazy. But I think it starts, now we're talking all students, but in, the, in this essence of teachers of color, I think it starts with having a good school experience yourself. So many kids, especially of color, had horrific school experiences, there's no way they want to be teachers. They, they want to go as far away from a school as, as humanly possible. And so one way that we can start is by helping students have pleasurable school experiences to make them not want to hate the field even before we even ask the, uh, the consideration to be a teacher. I always start there. If you had a now, now the uh, Steve, you may play devil's advocate and say, well, maybe your experiences were so bad that now you do want to be that teacher so no one else experiences that. So I do get that argument too, but I think for me a starting point would be having a great experience in your own schooling. And I, I, don't, I, I think you're right on the, 
on the former. I don't think the latter works well at all. I don't think it happens that many students do not like their teacher and, and they want to become a teacher to prove something. I think you're exactly right in the former is you need to see a teacher who's happy, who's joyful, who uh, does different games and activities and understands that uh, this is fun, teaching's fun. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, complaining about it. I'm not arguing in front of the students about it. I'm actually finding this very enjoyable and I'm seeing great results and I'm building relationships with the families in the community. If students, you're right on, if students see that, that's a lot easier path to get into teaching. If the teacher is yelling and screaming, if the teacher's negative, if the teacher's crying, if the teacher doesn't feel any satisfaction and the students see that, uh, why would they want? Well, Steve, we have to remember often as educators, we are our own worst enemy and, and we're all guilty. Like we're all guilty of that. It may Absolutely correct, Steve. Um, at times, and we're all guilty of this, it makes sense that if a teacher is crying, if a teacher is not finding joy, if the teacher's yelling, if the teacher is complaining about students, and the students see that six, seven hours a day, they will not want to go into teaching. They, and as you talk to them, as you recruit them later in life, they'll remember how their teacher was in front of them, and they won't want to enter into that profession. Absolutely, Steve. Um, we're all we're all guilty of this, but I often think about um, teachers who really have nothing positive to say about their profession or their classroom. So why would a why would one of their students want to be a teacher, or they may have access to someone that's interested in teaching, and it, and it kills the excitement of being a teacher. So. Often we are our own worst enemy. Like I said, we've all been guilty of it. We just have to be conscious of it, that we are on display, whether it's for our students or for someone else that knows we're educators. And we have to be very cognizant of the, 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 the picture and the face that, that we give off to people to let them know that the profession is something that they could be interested in. So we're talking about getting more teachers of color we, you mentioned that they have to have a great school experience. That's right on. So they have a great ex school experience now, and they enjoy their schooling. How come we're not seeing more uh, teachers of color then? Well, there's, in my opinion, there's a huge disconnect into college preparation and education, period. Whether it's urban, suburban, public, or private, there's a huge disconnect of what's, what's in the textbook and what's actually happening in reality. And then when you couple that with the, the expertise or relevancy of your college professor, you can easily get steered into something that you don't want or you can get steered into something that doesn't make sense for you. And so now, just as we started talking about this conversation with with identifying, I think you said middle school and I said high school, and, and working and going, uh, going beyond the need, going beyond the call of duty to meet the needs of our students, that also has to happen in college. Like we have to have some bold educators in college that's willing to get kids in the school, urban schools, public, private. We have to have people on the, 
the staffs of universities that have urban public experience. If not, you could realistically have someone with no public or urban education teaching a student how to be an urban educator. It's just a formula that doesn't make sense. I think that happens all the time. I think that is a big problem. But I also don't, th I think there's more there because I'm, I, I would sense then we would see 100 students of color go to college, go into teacher prep programs, and then see the disconnect between their professors and a lack of realism, and then they would leave. But we're not even seeing students even get to the universities okay. to see that. Okay, so okay, so that's yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, one of the things, and it, no, a lot of this stuff sounds negative, and we just have to address it the way it is and build forward. So there's no way, there's no way of saying some of these things nicely. But we have to really market teaching different. And it can't be the same description as it was when I was in college, as it was 30, 40 years ago. I mean, we have to market teaching as exciting. We have to market teaching as a vocation. Um, you know, often we market, well, you have your summers off, you have Christmas off, you have Easter off. But that's not a really that's not a real marketing tool. We have to market you are going to be part of a unique process of changing a child's life. You're saying we got to make we got to have uh making teaching it's got to be an appeal. There's got to be some flair to it. It's got to be sexy in a sense of because because that's what the other draw. fields are doing. Yes, yes. Even if you look at the military, they don't sell you on uh some of this some of these things. They spice it up. We don't spice it up. I like the military comparison because you're seeing jets. You're seeing people go through obstacle courses. You're seeing strong people. You're seeing fight for your country. And and, and, teaching, we're, telling, and we're telling teachers, like hey, that. make sure you have your floor plan and your, and your <laughs> roles set so you know, so certain desk isn't turned a certain way. That's not exciting. So teachers are seeing, I don't want to be that teacher. I'm not going to wear an apron with apples. I'm not going to uh, uh, wear that, look like that. That's not me. So why I don't picture myself teaching. Uh, I think that's a really, I think that's profound. I think that's right on target. So let's go. So we, we changed that. We changed the marketing. Uh, we also probably have an issue with pay, don't you think? Oh, yes. I was just getting ready to get to that. Um, that's, that's, that's what I have here. It, it, so it's interesting about pay. I, I'll just tell a very quick story about pay, and you guys can take it however you want to take it, for better or for worse. When I started teaching, that was the first real job I've ever had. So when the veteran teachers were complaining about money at that time in my life, that was more money than I ever had. I thought I was rich on a $24,000 salary. And obviously with bills and with loans and apartments, and if you have a spouse and have kids, money is a factor. That's something that we have to be upfront and honest. Here's where it's at um, financially for you. I think most people, and I could be wrong, but if you really, really, really want to teach the love of teaching could expand the money. By no means am I saying you don't need money. I, I am not saying that. I need it. You need it. Every listener needs it. But we have to be upfront and honest. And, and part of this is a, is a bigger problem that it's not an education issue. It's why the rest of society doesn't value educators. 
you know, if 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 our if we all want our salaries to go up, public and private, urban, suburban, whatever, but the rest of the nation feels that it shouldn't, you know, it that's a bigger problem that teachers just can't fix. We we need to have more strategic relationships to to build money. But I will also tell younger teachers too, there's other ways of making money on the side. I mean, uh, we did uh, CLC programs, uh, we did tutoring, uh, curriculum writing. I mean, there's other ways of making money, but if you're just in it for money, maybe this is not the field for you. I think that's a big obstacle. I think that's a big obstacle when we talk about teachers of color. If I'm going to college, uh, show me the money, show me uh, what I can make if I'm going to sacrifice all these things. Um, up front, I need to see the end game that there will be some money. And, and I think to supplement that, as there's not money currently or lack of some funding, I think you're right when you talk about the marketing. The marketing's got to be more than money. It's got to be more than uh, I'm making a difference. It's got to be everything together. And collectively, it's going to be important that we're in this together. It's going to be important that they see others that they respect in the field. But and, and I, I agree with you, Steve. But I just want to just play devil's advocate for a second. So I was recently in a conversation around a conversation with some educators, and this educator—I'm not going to say male, female—what the position was, but the educator makes eighty thousand dollars a year, and this educator is completely miserable, and tells people, "Don't go into teaching this, this, and this, and this." So what I'm saying to you is. You could have this money and be miserable. How, like, correct. The, just correct. selling the money and you're miserable is only going to get you so far. Correct. Correct. And that's any field, any occupation, anything. If I am, if I'm in sales and I and I'm making commissions and I'm selling and I'm selling, but I hate talking to people about about money and I hate uh, selling. Uh, I'll be miserable regardless of what my bonuses are. So I, I think that is, that's why it has to be a total package. But I also think if teaching, when someone says teachers, there is such a negativity as far as pay, it becomes a joke. And until that changes, that's going to be a huge obstacle. Right. So let me let me just say this, and I know we got to move on to some other topics on how to get, how to recruit people. But um, at least in Wisconsin, and, and maybe in your area uh, for you, the listener, but there, from a salary standpoint and from benefits, from a benefit standpoint, there was a time when I was brand new that that the salary and benefits of a public school was by far significantly better than a private school option. Well, over the time of my career, it's slowly starting to merge. the The public side is slowly decreasing, benefits wise. And the private side is slowly increasing. So we could be at a spot in maybe 10 to 15 years, at least from a benefit standpoint, that they're pretty close to the same. Salary, I think the public school side was always going always gonna to be on the higher side. Um, but I would never want a teacher in my building who's there just for the money because they probably won't be good for kids. Um, one, one of the complaints that I hear from new teachers or veteran teachers who tell new teachers is the fact that the curriculums are, are already set and that you're really not teaching teaching, 
you're basically going off a curriculum that you have no say and no flexibility. So one way of, I think, we can recruit teachers is, is to help them understand that your creativity will not be stifled. Like, I don't care what the curriculum is, any great superhero educator always infuses their personality. They always infuse other resources. So I, I, I think we have to sell the aspect of your creativity is needed to make a change. Um, we don't want you to just follow the, the math pacing guide. We, we want you to make math relevant to their lives. I, that has to be part of the recruiting pitch to younger educators. So why don't we see a great influx of teachers going in our urban settings, whether it's Chicago, L.A., New York, Milwaukee, New Orleans, we still see teachers feeling more comfortable going to the suburbs teaching. And then if I need it, uh, if I can't find a job in my destination area, most of the suburbs, I will try to find a job in the city. And once I get there, I will probably, the, the rate of uh, retention is extremely low, maybe a year, one to three years, and then I'll find a job somewhere else. Why do we have that issue? Well, I think we have that. I mean, you already know my answer, but I think we have that issue for a number of reasons. One, students aren't being exposed to urban education. That's strike one. Uh, strike two. So once they get exposed, they find the joy, they find the satisfaction. Okay, I But they don't it. even know... They don't even know what to think. They don't even know if I like it or if I dislike it. I mean, it, this, it's, just, yeah. uh, it's just a non-factor in the decision-making because you, the many have no exposure. So that's strike one. Um, I, I think strike two is if you are not from an urban area, you, you hear and see a lot of things in music, TV, uh, movies, um, a lot of third-party conversations that may not be accurate. So once again, that it ties back to exposure. People don't get a chance to see it for themselves. But now, since I don't have access to this, I'm going off the opinion of someone else, which could be detrimental. Uh, third, uh, I fear fear kicks in. There are some people that are scared to teach in an urban environment, scared to go in an urban environment, environment, and will avoid it at all costs. Those would be uh, reasons why I think you don't see people running to urban education. And I know this is going to dip into topics for future shows, but I will subscribe to you that if you could teach in an urban environment, you could teach in any environment. I'm not convinced if you could teach in a suburban environment and you could teach in an urban environment. Um, I would agree with that. I, I, I would totally agree with that. I think you listed out exposure, stereotypes, fear. So those three can all be handled by immersion, by getting a good positive immersion program going, which, again, teachers of color would, may or may not have an advantage to some of this. Right. And then I, think, I also think there's another piece. I think there are so many people that are interested in urban education, but they fear with their friends what their spouse will say, what their mothers or fathers will say. Um, and it just, I would just try to implore those individuals to, to stand up for your beliefs. And if you think you're called to make a difference, 
make that difference. Like, what do you mean by what they would? What would they say? What would a relative okay, say? Okay, so I want to I want to teach in urban education, but then here's Uncle Steve saying, "Well, you know, the crime rate in the city, and you know, you might get shot uh, getting out your car, and you know, those kids they only need they only need black teachers, or they only need Hispanic teachers, or you know, you don't fit in there, and and and, and it's it's such a long drive, and you know, you need to teach by um, our home, you know, it's a less, you know, it's less, less issues, you know, issues is a code word often for kids of color. So there's going to be people voicing their opinions and a lot of times negative opinions about where they're teaching, which will add another stressor in already the stressful life of the teacher. And eventually that stacks up and it becomes too much and you want to leave the profession, which means leaving the city school. That, that makes sense. So teacher recruitment, there is a crisis. We talked about how we can get more teachers of color. We talked about some obstacles. We talked about maybe there's some creative ways that universities, foundations, school districts can work. We talked about what'll keep, what'll keep teachers satisfied. Is it pay? Is it the school environment? I believe it's a combination of everything and we need to constantly keep working at it. Uh, I think there is a difference when we talk about private versus public. I think there's options that need to be, uh, have all those options need to be there for students and families. I'm not a believer that uh, all public schools are great or all private schools are great. I think there needs to be options and I think there needs to be high quality options. I think all options need to be high quality and high performing options. If it's a bad public school, we shouldn't have students there. If it's a bad private school, we shouldn't have students there. They need to be good options, but they also need to be options for parents and students. And I think, like this is such a crazy point. When you were talking, this thought just hit my mind, is that some of these people that are avoiding urban education, they shouldn't be teaching anywhere. Like they're looking for the easiest path to be successful. Yeah. And most of the great teachers that I know, they don't look for the easiest path. Regardless of the demographics, regardless of the subject content, they're, they're, looking, they're looking to take kids where they are. You know, we just interviewed Celeste Chanagor, but they're looking, and she said this last night, finding kids where they are and improving them from that point on. And there's so many people that don't want the challenge. And it just... It, it, it bothers me and it infuriates me as a as an educator. I mean, I love the challenge. I, to me, the challenge is what make or break you. You know, I, I definitely don't, for me, this is me personally, I would not want to inherit a class of 4.0 students. They don't need me. They definitely don't need you. And, and that's, I think, where we're getting at. I think I, I like that point that you stressed because it, with the technology now, if they can get on Khan Academy and they can watch videos at home, they can go and Google any, any answer, they don't need a teacher that's, not, that's going to sit up front and just push some worksheets and, and not be engaged. Uh, I think that point needs to continue to be stressed. I think we need teachers who, who push it, who are able to challenge students and are able to go above and beyond. And you're saying, if they're looking the easiest route, that's not going to be in their DNA as a teacher. No, not not at all. That's exactly what I'm what I'm saying. And I do want to put this challenge out to our to our listeners. Um, 
I do want to put this challenge out to our list to our listeners. We want you to go over right now. We want you to go to our Facebook page, Superhero Educator. We want you to go there right now and share a couple of ideals on how your district or school entity recruits, especially if you work in a in a in a space of urban education. And we would love to to get that conversation going also. Um, so at this, we want you to stop as super uh, as superhero educator on Facebook. Drop us a note on how your district or school entities um, recruits in the urban ed environment. This is a hot topic. It'll be a topic that will need to continue to be discussed as people around the country will be looking at how do we solve this crisis? How do we solve the crisis of getting high quality teachers in our schools, especially in our city schools? So this topic's one that we needed to address and we look for more conversation regarding this topic. All right, and I just want to throw in one more thing before we we sign off. And this is another hot button issue. I know people who agree with this 100%. I know people that disagree 100%. But one way that I know that definitely works in getting candidates to an urban environment, it's the process when there's alternative certifications to become teachers. So there's several organizations that do it, right? And the reason why that's why I'm so passionate about that, I came up through that scenario. Now, the counter argument would be, yeah, you're getting urban teachers, but they don't stay. Well, I stayed. I, I can't tell you about anybody else, but it hooked me. And uh, so when we look at alternative certification processes, it may open up a pool of candidates that currently did not exist to help meet uh, open roster spots or open teacher spots. So be creative. Don't try to fit into the box we have now. There might be some disruption that we need to have in the marketplace and a great disruption would happen in teacher ed to get more teachers. Timely topics today on teacher recruitment with the emphasis on the urban education area. We want to challenge all of you all to become superhero educators. Let's help find these teachers for our kids because our kids deserve it. And we hope you enjoyed the show. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator. 